Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth in chapter 5, the first 10 verses. And his focus today is on the hope of the heavenly dwelling. He speaks of a tent, earthly tent that we are in, and that we are to walk by faith, not by sight. We'll dig into this this morning because the gifts are ready for you. Thank you for tuning in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks this morning to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. To learn more information about uh, Lutheran Heritage Foundation, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by the Word of God this morning, we have with us Pastor Tom Eckstein of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Pastor Eckstein, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Hey, great to be here, Brady. Pastor, you've been on KFU for quite a time. Any idea of how many years you've been a guest on this program or other programs on KFUO? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I started go- going on to KFUO uh, on various programs back in 1999, so it's been over 20 years now. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, you've been around the block a few times. This is good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, on that light, um, I'm new, and even I found this out recently that someone had written, wrote into me and said, hey, it's my first time listening, and this was great. And so, a lot of people might not know much about you. Can you share a few things about yourself and the work of the saints at Concordia Lutheran? Sure. I, I've been pastor here at Concordia Lutheran in Jamestown, North Dakota. Um, Jamestown is a city of about 15,000, uh, uh, about 90 miles west of Fargo. Uh, uh, if you know where Fargo is, it's uh, on the very, very uh, eastern end of North Dakota, southeastern end uh, bordering Minnesota. And uh, Jamestown is a town of about 15,000, pretty much out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, if you ask us what big city are you near, uh, we are the big city <laughs> out here. <laughs> and uh, and so, uh, uh, but I've been serving here since 2005. Uh, love it here. Uh, great people of God at this congregation. And and if you happen to hear howling wind in the background while I'm talking, that's because right now we're having gusts of wind outside my office window of about 60 to 70 miles an hour. So uh, a windy day here. Uh, how about over your way? Well, we're we're getting snow. We're supposed to get five to ten inches um, to come, and it's 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 funny because you know Minnesotans, we know what to do. We know that we have this amount of time to do this and that, but still, people are going and buying um, milk and bread just in case we're shut in for two hours. I'm not sure how long it would actually be in Minnesota, but anyways, yeah. So we don't have the wind, but we got the snow. So, yeah. but this is life. This is life up north. Life up north. Yeah. Um, the big question I think anybody has who knows anything about North Dakota, are you a UND or NDSU fan? You know, I'm really the uh, wrong person to ask that because I am just <laughs> not into sports, professional or college. I, I know that I, I know that, that, that is heresy to some. But, uh, yeah, I, I, if you ask me, you know, who's playing for UND uh, or who's playing for NDSU or what's their record, I'm not gonna. I, I'm gonna be looking at you like a cow looking at a new gate. Okay. Oh, it's just, oh good. Yeah, I just don't know anything I, about that. So. I will not ask any more. So, anyways, <laughs> but I wanted to do something. I'm gonna continue to do, which I think is a lot of fun. Is that we've been asking our listeners, you our listeners, 
to write in and tell us where you're listening from. We've been doing this for just over a week. And if you have not already written in about where you're listening from, I would encourage you to do so today. Send us an email at kfuo at kfuo.org and tell us where you're from. So far, we've heard from, uh, get this, Pastor, 23 different states, and we have yet to receive any names from North Dakota. Any way you can help with that this morning? I, well, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll lash out up my congregation this Sunday about that. Boy, That's right. Gonna start That's right. That's right. So, and, and they might be listening, just haven't written an email in. Maybe they're worried we're gonna, you know, um, tell them about you or something or whatever it might be. Who knows what's gonna happen? But not only that, know, but twenty-three I'm, states. Go ahead. I'm sure our listeners know this too. You don't always have to listen when the program is live. You can go onto the website and, and listen to archives anytime you want. So. Right, exactly. And that's I encourage people, too. If you're listening to this in archives, go ahead and write an email in. But not only 23 states in America, but also four, out, four countries from Sri Lanka, Canada. Not a big surprise there. You're basically in Canada, right? North Dakota, you and I are basically Canadian. Um, the Philippines and also in Jamaica. So wow. it's a, it's a, it's a you know, worldwide KFUO, Christ anytime, anywhere. It is definitely a... Uh, um, a truth as we hear this today. But I'm going to continue that today and also tomorrow, and we'll have more of the results by next week. So what a joy as you're listening and knowing that the Word of God is being um, uh, read and marked and inwardly digested throughout the world. So we want to hear from you. Simply email kfuo at kfuo.org and tell us where you are joining us from. So um, any other uh, any other thoughts this morning to talk about before we get to the Word of God, Pastor? Uh, well, I could talk about a do- dozen things, but uh, we got a lot to talk about today, so why don't we get into it? <laughs> Let's get into it, yes. So as we begin to search the Scriptures, Pastor Eckstein, can you begin us in prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we thank you so much uh, for caring for us, especially during this past year when when there was so much uh, going on that was plaguing people everywhere, um, uh, whether it's the pandemic or, or the political and racial tension in our nation. Uh, all this reminds us, Lord, that we live in a broken world, a world that's groaning and burdened by sin. Uh, today we're going to find out, Lord, that, that this world is not our real home, even though we have the joy and privilege of living for you here, and that you so mercifully provide for us here, even though this world is broken. We ultimately look forward to a new home, uh, a new home that you have prepared for us through your son, Jesus Christ, uh, that will be glorious. Uh, no pandemics, no tension, uh, but, but total unity with you and your people and, and peace and joy. We, we look forward to that eternal home that we will have one day through faith in your son. Uh, so um, may that eternal hope encourage us to live as your people in this life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles, or in today's world, our computers, iPads, or phones, and let's get started. Reminder to our visit or to our listeners that we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Now, for this time, we're going to move pretty slowly. We're only doing the first ten verses, but it is packed and chock full of gems, and also, I would say, a little bit of confusion. So we will try to do yeah. our best by the power spirit power of the Holy Spirit to help us this morning. So we're going to read just verse 1 and start digging in. So verse 1, Paul says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now there's a few terms that I think we need to unpack before we go any further into this. 
But, uh, you know, one thing I didn't ask, Pastor, do you want to give any um, introductory or background information on this uh, before this chapter? Did you want to share any of that? Well, just real briefly, uh, obviously coming off the table tales of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, um, you know, uh, uh, Paul ends that chapter, let me just read this, uh, for this light and momentary affliction referring to life in this world uh, is, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, uh, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Uh, so here, here Paul talks about uh, the fact that, that living in this world is an affliction. Um, and yet, you might remember many people who are listening that in Romans 8, Paul says that uh, he doesn't think that the afflictions or the trials of this world are worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. And here, here Paul talks about this eternal weight of glory, um, not weight in a negative sense, like, oh, this is burdening me and pressing me down, but, but weight in the sense of, of I'm just surrounded and bathing in uh, this glorious uh, uh, presence of God. And, and so... Uh, uh, with that in mind, we're going to get into chapter 5 here now, where Paul distinguishes between life in this broken world, where, where sin and, and trial uh, still exist for us, uh, but reminding us that this is not our home, that, that, that uh, we, we're already forgiven in Christ, we already have the Holy Spirit, and that's a down payment on the fact that one day creation itself uh, will be renewed, and that includes our own bodies. And that's where I think a good place to start is to think of the hymn, I'm but a stranger here. I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. Earth is a desert drear. Heaven is my home. Danger and sorrow stand round me on every hand. Heaven is my fatherland. Heaven is my home. Now, this can be, we have to be careful with these because we want to make sure we make a very clear distinction, but it's good. You know, I think one professor said, well, if we're not going to believe in the Bible, let's at least least believe in the hymnal. Right, (laughs) exactly. So it's something that really rings clear in all of our minds and our hearts. This hymn, you sing it at a funeral or something, and it's very clear of, wow, the eternal glory that is still yet to come. That's very important for us to make a distinction, which we'll get to as we go through. Of yeah. We're not about to say that this is all horrible and that's all good and, you know, woe is us. and well, But, but also to realize um, that the eternal glory yet to come is going to be absolutely um, astonishing and amazing in every single way. Something we'll always look forward to. So, yeah. well, we title of verse one. One little uh, comment on that, uh, even though I, I, I love that hymn, <laughs> there, there, there does need to be a clarification. I can think, I don't know if, I'm sure he won't mind if I mention his name, but Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, uh, <laughs> wonderful, he's retired now, I believe, but wonderful professor at Concordia Seminary St. Louis. He he uh, wrote the three volumes of the Matthew Commentary, but, but he actually doesn't completely love that hymn you mentioned. <laughs> Not because the hymn itself is bad, but because people misunderstand it in the sense of thinking of heaven as this immaterial place. You know, and maybe you've run into this, uh, Brady. Sometimes our members think of, of, of eternal life as, well, we're going to be disembodied spirits, you know, floating floating in the clouds. And, and you have to remember, when this hymn talks about heaven being our home, it's talking about it in the biblical sense that heaven is the new creation. Uh, mm. You know, uh, we, we look forward to the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. We, we, we spend eternity as, as physical beings in a physical world. And so 
uh, understood in that way that that hymn is beautiful. But but again, mm-hmm. it's not talking about oh, I'm going to be floating around in some limbo. But 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 I will be have a resurrected body in in a, in a renewed creation. And and so what Paul is really talking about here, we'll get to this in more detail later in the program. But he he really is talking here about what is called the intermediate state. You know, the fact that when we die, our spirits are with the Lord in paradise. Uh, but but that's not the end of the story. So I think we'll get into that more deeply as we go on. Oh, yeah, looking forward to it. So here he uses two terms that are good for us to define in verse 1. Um, that if the tent, what is the tent and what is the, uh, the heavenly home or the eternal, you know, the house not made with hands. And so can you clarify that a little bit for us so we can do it together? What is the tent and what is this house not made with hands? Yes. The tent refers probably most directly just to the fact to to these fallen, uh, uh, corrupted bodies that we currently live in. Not that the physical world is bad. Creation is is always good. Uh, The physical world is good. Uh, but, But it has been corrupted by by sin it has been cursed and so the tent refers i would say uh, directly to our bodies but also indirectly to the entire world just life in this world you know the end of romans 8 for example talks about how creation itself groans uh, and, and, and looks forward to being liberated from its bondage to decay. So I would say tent refers to life in this fallen world and the fact that, that in these uh, temporary bodies we groan. I mean, we, 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 we grow old, our bodies start to wear out. Um, you know, we, we, we can get sick with things like COVID. Uh, we, we can get injured. We have pain. But, but worst of all, more than just the physical ailments we face, uh, we, we have sin in our body yet. Uh, you know, we, we still have a sinful nature. Paul talks about that in Romans 7, and, and, and so we long to be free of that as well. Now, in contrast, uh, the house not made with hands, uh, of course, that's referring to, to earthly hands. Uh, you know, any attempt, for example, of men to build a utopia, uh, in this world is doomed to failure. Uh, we'll never have heaven on earth. We'll never be able to build a perfect society. So, so the house not made with hands is referring to the eternal kingdom that God will give to his people on the final day. Uh, it's referring ultimately to the new creation. Uh, uh, and, uh, and of course, um, you know, I think Paul here is just uh, assuming uh, that, that we know that that is our final destiny. Uh, obviously, when we die, our spirits are with the Lord, but our ultimate destiny is this this house not made with human hands but but the new creation that God will give us. And we hear that throughout, you know, the idea of a new heaven and a new earth would be something that is going to be there, something we should look forward to that it, it's something that uh, is a positive view of the body, positive view of the world, but of course, uh, you know, we are, are in the world, but not of the world, because other parts, you know, there's a reason why Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, is because the world needed a savior. So it really is that tension we live in, and we have to keep it very clear, because there's a very positive view of the body. And I wanted to give you eh, it's a little bit of a plug here, Pastor, because you've written books that really, I would say, reflects this positive view of the body, that our bodies are or something that will glorify our Lord, you know, in your book, uh, Bearing Their Burden, 
and speaking about yeah. sexual brokenness. And also your recent article in the, the Luther Witness, which was outstanding, but in such were some of you reminding us, it's not just, oh, I have a nice body, but how do I use that body for God's glory? Fits in with this of, yes, there's groaning, but yet, as we know that we'll be resurrected, um, we glorify God now. We'll get to that more, but I wanted to give you a little plug right at the beginning. What do you think of that? Well, thank you. I, I'll, I'll send you a check later. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So let's get into this groaning, and we'll go verses 2 through 5 and talk about God's, um, God's work through that. 2 through 5. For in this tent we groan, longing to, be put, to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who was prepared for us in this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. There's a lot to look here, but I, the word groaning is very clear throughout this. Any thoughts on, yeah. on the word groaning, what that relates to our world today? Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting. I can't help, you know, the same Paul who wrote this wrote Romans 8, you know, and we get mm. the same language there. I mentioned it already, that creation itself is groaning. It even says groaning as in the pains of childbirth, you know, waiting to, for, for, for it to all be over. And uh, so here, you know, he talks about life in this world. Uh, at times can be very difficult. I think sometimes uh, we in America forget about this just because we do have it so good. Uh, 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 you know, uh, to live in America in, 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 in the year 2021, I mean, uh, sometimes life can be wonderful uh, because of all our modern conveniences. But, but even in America in 2021, uh, reality can hit us in the face. Suffering can come at us at any moment. But, but, but you think of people who live in other parts of the world, in, in certain third world countries, life is a drudgery every day. Uh, death is just around the corner for some people because there's the, you know, they don't have the, the, the safety nets and conveniences that we have. And, and you think when Paul was writing this almost 2,000 years ago, life was very, very hard for people. Uh, living in, in this cursed world is, is a groaning thing. And, and so as Christians, uh, we're reminded, hey, uh, this is not our eternal home. Um, all, all the pains and the trials and the sufferings and the tears that we face in this life, that will be gone one day. Uh, we'll, we'll have an eternity in a, in a paradise as God intended in the beginning. And we do see glimpses of it. We just don't put it out in front of people. Um, you, you'll see people who are diagnosed with cancer. There's a groaning that oh. happens. Um, I, you know, I've, I, I minister and, and have had people in my own family with Alzheimer's. That there's a yeah. there's a big groaning in that because it's something that is not um, well known what to do in our culture. But yet, and this goes with it too that it's a they have a physical body created by God, but they're struggling mentally, and so there is that groaning that happens. Um, you name it, you have it. And this is something that there's a groaning that's there that we all will face in some some sense. So it's definitely not that it's not real, is that we're very good at hiding it in our world today. So, yep. And um, I think one thing that's unique for believers, too, because, you know, obviously unbelievers groan. That they might not know why. They might not believe that the world is cursed by sin, but they still groan. But I think for uniquely for believers, not only do we have this physical 
an emotional groaning. But spiritually we groan too because uh, we, we still have a sinful nature. And Paul talks mm-hmm. about this in Romans 7, oh, what a wretched man I am. And, and uh, we, we look forward to the day where we will be free from that completely. We look forward to the day when we will no longer have this monkey on our back called our sinful nature. And, and so we look forward to that too as believers. And that's, you know, like Romans 7, you know, who will deliver me from this body of death? And this is the perfect time for the gospel to show this is my body here. And we see Jesus's body resurrected. And that reminds us that this body will also be resurrected. Now, one, yeah. one of the things with that comes verse three. And I wanted to get your insights on this is if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. This has confused me. I was hoping you could Help me out as I look through a number of commentaries. I'm still a little bit confused. Any thoughts on verse 3? Is that okay? Well, verse 3? Yeah, honestly, I, I think this is a good example because people have read this verse wrongly, uh, this section of Corinthians, as though Paul is talking about uh, the, the real salvation is leaving behind this physical world, as though mm-hmm. leaving behind our body is what salvation is about. No. In fact, uh, uh, to be found naked, I really think, is Paul saying, uh, this unnatural separation of the soul from the body, you know. So to be clothed doesn't mean that we're uh, going to be, to leave this body, his hope, like, like he goes on, for example, in verse 4, not that we would be unclothed, but that would be, we would be further clothed. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm looking forward to death, <laughs> not because I want to spend eternity as a naked, disembodied spirit, because I'm looking forward to be even more clothed with uh, the physical creation that is perfect and and delivered from sin. So uh, uh, so in other words, Paul is saying, um, I don't want to be naked. I don't want to be separated from the body. And guess what? I won't be for long. There may, may, there may be a temporary intermediate state. But what's our ultimate hope? Well, we say it in the creed every Sunday: the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. We will be clothed with perfect flesh. And we will be surrounded by a creation that is no longer cursed. Uh, that's what we look forward to. And I think that's important because there, there are even some Christians, sadly, who uh, maybe through no fault of their own because they've been misled, but, but they buy into this pagan notion that, that our hope is that we'll one day be free from this body, free from this world. And that's not the biblical hope at all. Not at all. And I would love to talk about that a little more on the, the other side of our break. We talk about Gnosticism, and clearly Paul is not a Gnostic. I mean, he's very physical in his understanding. We can explain more about that later. But it is good for us to realize that death is not our friend. Death is not, um, uh, <laughs> death is not the goal in life. And, and that's important for us in how we talk. How we, you know, how we proclaim, how we, how we pray, those kind of things, because I think it does come down to what what you've been saying here is the hymn. My hope is built on nothing less. I'm sorry, I'm big into hymns today. I don't have any more after this one, but this is the one that comes to mind right now. That when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, in yeah. my in him my righteousness alone follows to stand before the throne. I just found that interesting in verse three, where it says, "May I not be found naked," which really fits with what you're saying is that we are looking to the resurrection is our hope. And when we pass, yes, we are our spirit is with Jesus, and and we are in paradise. But yet we still have a robe of righteousness that will be given to us when the resurrection happens when we are in 
Christ. So we have about, um, well, actually, you know what? I think we should just get ready for our break. We can talk more about that on the other side. Um, we are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with Pastor Tom Eckstein, and we will be right back. The Missouri Army National Guard can help you get the education you need to land the career you've always wanted. The Guard will pay up to 100% of your tuition for up to 39 credit hours per academic year at 90 colleges and tech schools across the state. You're eligible as soon as you enlist. Learn more about the many benefits that come with serving part-time in the Missouri Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard, aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station. In 2020, the world was blindsided. At the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, we quickly refocused on how to best serve the church. Our COVID-19 response team took action, reaching out and listening to our borrowers. In response, we offered a number of financial remedies that allowed our borrowers time to stabilize. We also provided online streaming kits for churches, gift cards for food pantries, financial support for LCMS church workers, and much more. Life's not yet back to normal, and that's why we're still here for you. Visit lcef.org to learn more. Life might be compared to a call and response song. We hear, we respond. The music of the church wants to encourage and inspire both our hearing and our response, and you'll hear such music on the next Sing for Joy. Join us. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. And welcome back. We are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with Pastor Tom Eckstein from the tropical land of North Dakota. Here we go. We are ready to look at the verses, the rest of our verses here. But I think it is good for us to also talk a little bit about something called Gnosticism, where sometimes we will talk about the goal of life to get away from this physical body. And can you give us a little bit of information? What is Gnosticism? And and obviously that's not something we're looking at, but what is Gnosticism and why we want to be careful not to um, live in that? Is Pastor there? False teaching that uh, basically uh, suggests that our problem is not that we're sinners who have rebelled against God. Our problem is that uh, we are eternal spirits who have been enslaved in this physical realm. So, so in Gnosticism, uh, the creation is the result uh, of an evil deity who, who, who uh, you know, basically enslaved the, the, the pure spirits uh, in, 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 you know, the, this physical world. So in Gnosticism, it's like, okay, we in, need to achieve uh, this special secret knowledge that enables us to rise uh, above this limiting, confining uh, physical world and attain the, the pure, immaterial uh, life of the spirit. And, uh, and, uh, and of course, that finds an expression in various false religions 
religions and 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 uh, new age philosophies today. But the whole idea is that the problem is not that that we're sinners who who need to be reconciled to God. Uh, the problem is that we're all little gods that are are you know, enslaved and confined in this physical world, and we need to to rise above it and find our our true divinity. So it it couldn't be more opposite true Christianity. Um, uh, Gnosticism uh, uh, goes against Scripture, which teaches that creation itself is a good thing. It's a good Mm. gift of God. Uh, God created the world uh, for us to live in uh, as a a precious gift. Uh, Sin is what's corrupted it, but, but the creation itself is good. So, so we we can find uh, types of Gnostic teaching in the world today in various places, and it needs to be avoided like the plague. And, and that's and that's a great overview of it because that is something we have to always think about: is how we speak about um, our bodies. Uh, and I, I do this in confirmation, and I, I'm always learning how to do this because my tagline with the kids has always been, you know, what am I, a sinner? You know, what is God, a forgiver? And what am I in Christ, a forgiven sinner? And one thing I realize that I have to be careful about is if we don't see ourselves as a, a creation of Almighty God or, or a, a creation of God, you know, that we will sometimes look at our body and go, oh, I'm nothing but a sinner, you know, and then woe is me all the time. But if you see yourself, wow, God has given me all these things. This is first article gifts. That's good for us to start there so that you can go into, yes, but it is broken. You know, this, this, and this. Yeah, it is. And then we can go back to restoration and and looking back to how God restores us in Christ. So that's why I've added the tagline, um, you know, what, who am I? God's creation. And that's exactly. an important piece to begin with. And uh, especially in their world, in our world, you know, we're constantly led to kind of believe what's what's in your in your mind or your heart that's most important. And you forget the rest of it as if it's not. So thank you for that overview. I do want to before we move on, I want to do this one thing to show how we practice this understanding of our bodies um, waiting for the resurrection. And we do it when we do a committal. And it's in the pastoral care companion where we say these words. And often, like one time I did a committal and it was like negative 20 with, with uh, you know, 20 degree or 20, uh, 20 mile per hour winds. I mean, people are not listening to you. So I feel like this gets lost on, on uh, deaf ears sometimes. But it says this, when you put your hand on, on the casket and you say, now we commit the, the body of our sister Bonnie, that's the last funeral I did, to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our, this is the groaning, lowly bodies so that they will be like his, glor- his glorious body by the power yeah. that entangles and en- enables him to subdue all things to himself. I think this almost yeah. captures these first few verses right there that we see in practice in the life of the Christian. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, because as I said earlier, uh, these first five verses of 2 Corinthians 5 are often misinterpreted, as though Paul is saying, oh, I can't wait to leave behind this physical body. No, he's actually saying the opposite. I, I can't wait to have this body restored <laughs> and oh, renewed. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Wow, that's a lot of fun. And then he leads us, I think, to how does this relate to today? You know, how, how are we to live now? So let's keep plugging through here. Verses six and seven. Paul says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. 
for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, there's going to be some confusion here as well, but let's let's stick to what we know. He talks about being of good courage. What is he telling us right here? Well, he's reminding us that that uh, I think of the one Bible verse. I don't know, know exactly where it is anymore, but we're we're uh, we're told, "Do not fear what they fear. Uh, do not live as unbelievers who who think, okay, uh, this life is all there is. So I want to have my best life now. And uh, when things go south and and I am facing death, you know, I don't even want to think about that because I have no hope. Uh, no, Paul says we can be of good courage. Why? Uh, not even death can separate from us from the hope we have in Christ. Uh, w- our sins are forgiven, or, or as David says in the, uh, Psalm 23, even when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, life in this horrible world of, that's been cursed by sin, the Lord is with us, and, 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 and he'll never leave us or forsake us. And uh, when we die, we, we go to be with him in, in, in the hope of the resurrection and eternal life. So we can go through life, um, facing the worst that it can give us, knowing that we have absolute security in Christ. That that gives us courage. And you see that with our... As a pastor, you, you see these moments, and you pray that other people do, too, because I had a, a gal at my first congregation, and every time... She was in her 90s at that time, and every time I would leave her home to visit with her, or you know, even at church, she would always say, bye for now. And that became very, very um, profound towards the end of her life where you you knew this might be the last time I see her. And then she said it still, bye for now. And so that I would say is that she heard this passage, be of good courage in her life because she knew that, you know what? I know what's still yet to come, but yet I'm going to enjoy it right here now. Yeah, I think of what Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter four. You know, when he's writing to the Corinthian or the Thessalonians who are wondering when and how will we see our loved ones who have died, and he says, "Do not grieve as those who have no hope." Now, Absolutely. in this world, do we grieve? Sure, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. The unbelievers, we grieve as those who have certain hope. Uh, uh, buy until later, you know, buy until next time, because as believers, uh, we we will be together with the Lord. We will be with the Lord forever. Absolutely. And now there's a little bit of confusing part here, and I'd like for you to unpack it, because you're you're on a roll here, Um, (laughs) Pastor X. You're on a roll, so I'm going to keep going with it. He says, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. How do we reconcile that with our understanding of, you know, just Christmas time, Emmanuel, Matthew 28, where it says, you know, behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. How do we reconcile those words um, and and our Orthodox beliefs? Yes. And and again, this is a good example of where you have to let Scripture interpret Scripture. You have to read individual passages in light of the big picture. (laughs) <laughs> of God's revelation. Yeah. And, and, and we know, we're all familiar with Jesus' statement at the end of Matthew, I will be with you always to the very end of the age, and, and, and other such verses. So when Paul says that, that uh, we're away from the Lord, he's not talking about the fact that, that you know, uh, God is off in another galaxy far, far away somewhere, and then we're left here all alone. No, no, we, Christ is with us always, uh, but in a hidden sense. Um, you know, he's there for us in baptism, but in a hidden sense. Uh, he's there for us through the spoken word, but in a hidden sense. He's, he gives us his own body and blood to eat and drink in the Lord's Supper, but in a hidden sense. We, we cannot see or 
uh, uh, ascertain this with our senses. And that's why the, the next verse is so important. We walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, is the Lord with us? Yes, but in a hidden sense. We believe he's with us even though I cannot uh, see him or touch him. Uh, so in that sense, I'm away from the Lord. I'm away from him in the sense that his presence with me is now hidden. Whereas on the day of resurrection, uh, we will see Christ in his physical glory face to face. So he is with us now. And, and one personal thing I'd like to bring up here, uh, uh, you know, God must have planned it this way, um, uh, that I'm doing this, this section of Second Corinthians today. But this verse, Second Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. That was my father's favorite Bible verse. He has it mm. etched on his tombstone. And uh, uh, for him, it was like, okay, uh, from the point of view, uh, and this is why it was so meaningful to him, and he wanted it on his tombstone. He says, from the human point of view, I'm under the ground and my body's decaying. You know, from the human point of view, from human sight, that's it. It's all over. You know, no more for him. Mm -hmm. But he said, Mm -hmm. but I trust God's word. Uh, I I know that by faith in God's word, this decaying body is going to be resurrected one day, and I'm going to live forever. And and so as believers, you know, we can drive by a cemetery, and we can see the fact that our loved ones are buried under the ground and their bodies are turning to dust. But by faith, we know that's not the end. We trust God's word that Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And this is something... That, that that is a profound verse when you when you think about it. I when you think about the verse, I often think of it as a um, or I see it. I should say I don't think of it this way, but you see it often. Like you go to a, a craftsy, artsy, woodsy store in a lake community in the state of Minnesota. You know, you always have these in these lake communities. Well, lake community meaning that that it's a tourist town that people go to when they go to quote the lake. That's a Minnesota thing. Right. You go to these crafty stores. And you'll have all these little woodsy things that say faith. And I remember seeing one in Okaboji area in Iowa. You know, we go down there quite often. And there it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a little tagline. But with the way that your dad put it on his tombstone shows the significance of of a resurrection. I mean, this, you know, this might look like this now, but boy, there is, you know, there is something greater happening here. And to know that 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 physical body will be resurrected and joined with all the saints and the palm branches and the white robes we hear about in Revelation chapter seven, and that he lived by faith. What a powerful witness for him to have. Obviously had a significant thing for you, but also anybody who walks by the tomb um, of your father. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're interested about, about those little taglines, you know, uh, that verse, too, can be taken out of context. For many people today, uh, uh, even non-Christians can talk about living by faith. But but what they mean is uh, either wishful thinking or mm. or just faith, faith in myself. You know, um, I, I, I believe it, you know, po- power of positive thinking, that type of thing. But that's not what Paul means here. Uh, by faith, he means trust in God's word trust in his promises. And, and, and that's the faith uh, we live by. Yeah, I think one person had told me that everyone has faith. The question is, what do you have faith in? Right. And that's for us. It's in, in, the, glory, in the glories of Christ and, and his resurrection hope. Um, any last thoughts on verse 7 as we move on to verses 8 and 9? Well, one last thought. Um, one day 
we will live by sight. Uh, we, we will see everything uh, uh, that, that we, 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 uh, have, we hope for at this point. Um, but I think another thing Paul means when he says not by sight, he, he's reminding us that, that you know, uh, you, you maybe remember these fancy terms from seminary, uh, the distinction between the ministerial use of reason and the magisterial use of reason. Okay? In a nutshell, for those listening, even our reason is a good gift of, of, from God. But when we use our reason to to judge God's word and say, oh, I can't believe that. That doesn't make sense. You know, uh, I, I remember I was just talking with an atheist recently who said, uh, you're saying Jesus rose from the dead. Well, any common sense person knows that that's not possible. Uh, that's an example of using our reason to doubt God. And so to live by sight uh, could also be, uh, uh, you know, uh, another way of saying, hey, I'm only, I'm only going to believe what I can see. I'm only going to believe what makes sense to my reason. And here Paul says, no, that's not how we believers live. Uh, we don't trust our own reason and senses. We, we trust uh, what God has given us and what he has promised us. Uh, we use our reason to apprehend what he says to us, but then we, we trust him uh, like little children trust their parents, and, and we don't question the Lord. And, and so uh, we, we live by faith in God's promise, but not by sinful sight, not by our own reason or strength. And that goes into another uh, language that we talked about a lot was the hidden God versus the revealed God. There's a lot yeah. of questions that we just we just simply don't know. And that's how it is in all of life. You know, what really happened at this place or what really happened at that place was Christians. Um, there's a lot of stuff we do know. And sometimes we focus on things we don't know, which is why this passage is very powerful for us. And say so you can ask that question, but we don't not we do not have an answer. So we walk by faith and not by sight, look in all of Scripture, and it points us once again to what we have faith in, which is Christ and his promises in a death and resurrection. So let's let's move on to verses 8 and 9, and, uh, and then verse 10 is going to be a fun one, so we'll get to that one as yeah. well. But he repeats himself here, verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So he repeats himself that, yes, we are of good courage. And this is, this is a powerful thing. Whenever we repeat something, usually that has great meaning. And for us, he's just reaffirming it. We have good courage. And why do we have good courage? Can you unpack that a little bit for us? No, well, again, we have good courage because even in, in this sinful world where evil surrounds us and, and, and our own bodies uh, not only are deteriorating, but we struggle with our own sinful nature, we have good courage because in Christ we are forgiven and we have the certain hope that not even death itself can separate us from Christ's love. So that, that gives us uh, the, 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 the courage and the motivation to live for the Lord in this world, which, by the way, may bring about persecution. You know, li living for, for Jesus could mean, you know, I mean, everybody in this world has to suffer, but, but sometimes uh, Christians will suffer precisely because they're being faithful to Jesus. But Paul says, hey, even then you can be of good courage because you're forgiven and, and you, uh, uh, the world can't take anything away from you. Even if they take your life, uh, uh, God will give it back to you again so you can be of good courage. And, and then when Paul goes on to say we'd rather be uh, uh, away from the body and home with the Lord, I think that's just his way of saying, you know, it would be really nice if this whole uh, uh, temporal uh, fallen world uh, scenario was done with. It, it would be nice if Jesus would, would, would have returned already and we're just living in the new creation now, but we're not there yet. 
God has a reason for us uh, to be living in this fallen world. And I think one of the reasons, I think when Paul uh, uh, wrote uh, Philippians in chapter 1, uh, you might remember Paul's in prison at this point, uh, and I'm sure he's thinking, boy, I'd like to just be out of this life and, and, and in eternity. Uh, but, but he says, but you know, I think God's going to let me stay here because it would mean fruitful labor for me. It will mean I can continue to love and serve others. And so I think one thing we forget as believers, you know, God allows us to remain in this world as believers so we can be servants of others, so that we can uh, love others in Jesus' name and bring the gospel to others who do not yet know him. Um, You know, sometimes God allows us to suffer precisely because that gives us an opportunity to point other people, especially unbelievers, to the hope we have in him. So even though we'd like it to be all done already and and with the Lord, uh, we we still uh, live by faith and say, hey, as long as we're here, we, we know we have hope in Jesus, and then one day, uh, when it's in God's time, uh, we will be at, in our true home in the new creation. And Paul, you know, this is something I'm really learning through Second Corinthians, is Paul is very real. Um, we have a tendency in our, our culture, you'll see people on TV, or you hear about different athletes or other people, and you'll talk about, quote, the victorious life. You know, oh, I've, I've done this, I've done this, you know, my body's always been great, you know, I, I think of different athletes will talk about how I don't eat carbs and I don't eat this, you know, and everything is just perfect. And, but so you're kind of like, oh shoot, you know, I have to do what he does. But Paul's very honest about the trials he has, especially in second Corinthians four, he talks about, you know, that he is afflicted, that he is crushed. He's not crushed. He's a perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. And we hear later on in second Corinthians, we're talking about how many times he's been flogged, how many times he's been stoned and all these kind of things that he's a guy that if you're like, well, he only knows the good life as a Christian. Well, that's clearly not true. So for him to walk by faith and not by sight was a very real thing. And there had to have been times like when he's getting stoned, I can't even imagine being stoned. I mean, it's just something awful to even think about that they throw rocks at you till you die. And he's being stoned. You can't tell him that he thinks, you know what? I would rather go and be with the Lord right now. And so he's being honest, but also he's like, but God still has me here. And as, as people, it's a tagline too. You know, God has me here for a reason. I think it's good for us to remember as long as we keep the rest of it in context um, and understanding what God has in store for us still yet to come. Um, last thoughts yeah. in these verses before we get to 10. Um, just one more thought. You know, even though God is merciful and gives us many times of joy and pleasure in this world, um, the fact is, like I tell my members, one way or another, sooner or later, we all have to suffer. And, uh, and, uh, and, and the good news uh, for us as Christians is that, that suffering, you know, sometimes we wonder, well, if God loves me, why does he allow me to suffer? And, and, and we don't even know all the reasons, but what God does tell us is two things. Number one, he does allow us to suffer as a way of, of reminding us how much we need him to actually strengthen our faith in him and build character. Because the reality is, and I mentioned this to our members all the, my members all the time, when do we tend to focus on God the most? When everything's going our way, when we have our best life now, or when we're going through trials. You know? mm-hmm. Sometimes God actually uses these uh, trials of this earthly world to, to keep our focus on him and to remind us where our true hope lies. And then finally, another reason God may allow us to suffer is that in, in the midst of our trials, we can be witnesses. When Paul was in prison, uh, because he was preaching Jesus, he got a chance to witness to people. And so God sometimes will use our 
suffering to put us in situations where we can bring the gospel to people. Well, we need to remember that. And, and, and yet in the midst of our tears and suffering, we know that, that we have an eternal hope of glory that awaits us. So that gives us the courage to continue. And just one last thing with that is that at the beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, uh, the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. I mean, this is a perfect segue of understanding of, yes, God has us here. We will one day be with the Lord and have a resurrected body and all these things. But right now we are here. So Lord, help me to please him. Romans 12 to be a, to by the mercies of God to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I want to get I wanted to get more into that, but you know what? I, we have to get to verse ten. We have about yes. four minutes left before um, we have to uh, close this. So let me read verse ten and let's get to this very important passage. Verse ten: For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Bring it back home here in verse 10 and tell us what Paul's telling us. Oh, my, I guess Luther was wrong. We're saved by works after all. No, that's (laughs) not what Paul's saying. (laughs) Amen. No, no, no. no. Yeah, that is not what Paul's saying here. This is a good example of where you pull this verse out of context. Boy, that sounds like we're saved by works. That's not what Paul's teaching here. Uh, It's interesting. Our Lord talks with the same language. I'll be quick with this. In in, in John chapter 5, in verse um, uh, 29, he talks about how believers will be resurrected to eternal life. Uh, And and he refers to the believers as those who have done good. And then unbelievers will be resurrected to judgment, and he refers to the unbelievers as those who have done evil. Okay, so in Paul's mind, it's not that, okay, on the final day, I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he's going to put my good deeds in one side of the scale and, and the bad deeds in the other side of the scale, and if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I'll make it. No, that's not what Paul is dealing with here at all. To, to do good in the body is to live as a repentant believer. To do evil in the body is to live as an unrepentant unbeliever. Uh, in fact, I know atheists who outwardly are good people. Uh, I, I, I even have an atheist friend who's pro-life, and uh, he's, he's a good husband, and uh, he, he's a hard worker, and he, he, he gives to charity. But unfortunately, that's not going to do him any good on the final day without Christ. Uh, so here, uh, the whole idea of doing good is to live in daily repentance and faith. Uh, and if we have sinned, uh, we know that in Christ we're forgiven. We're, we're clothed with his righteousness, as you said earlier. Uh, I, I think of uh, uh, earlier in Second Corinthians, Paul talks about forgiving uh, the, 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 the sinner. He, he's likely referring to the man in First Corinthians who had had an incestuous relationship. It's like, oh boy, even the pagans think that guy's going to hell. But here he can be forgiven in Christ. He'll, he'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ as a saint because of Jesus. And, and so here Paul is reminding us, live to please God. Why? Because uh, you will be among his people on the final day. Um, uh, Live as who you are, someone who's going to spend eternity with the Lord. So our eternal destiny should define how we live in this life now. That's what Paul's saying. And that, that is very clarifying, because as we walk by faith, not by sight, you can look at me and you look at others and say, well, clearly, you know, he has up the, the ladder as opposed to that other guy. Um, right. But when you, when you talk about 
faith and you talk about what saves us, you know, you say Jesus is Lord is where it's at. You know, Jesus has died for my sins. And that's a, a confession, but it's also a reality that that is what is going to save us. And I remember, um, uh, you know, when we say the Athanasian Creed, I remember my, you know, hearing someone, a blessed, you know, uh, a faithful member who was like, I just can't read that part in the creed where it says, and those who have done evil will enter into turn, those who have done good will enter eternal life, and those who have done evil will into eternal fire. Like, pastor, I can't do this. And then I talk about, okay, so Jesus says, um, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. Okay. Right. And then and then an understanding of, and who are we with? We are with a good God who declares us righteous and good on account of Christ and his cross. That is our hope on the final day. That's what puts us to be sheep, and that's what gives us everything. Um, you want to give us a, just a, a, a word or a, a summary here? We have about a minute left that you can wrap this up for us. Well, just to affirm what you said, you know, that end of the Athanasian Creed has confused a lot of people, but I read an article once where it says that was actually probably an allusion to Jesus' own words in John 5, where he said, those who have done good will be in the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Again, he's not talking about earning your salvation. What is it to be good? to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. The, to, to, to be good on the final day is to be that, that tax collector who said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Th- that's how we are good before God on the final day. Uh, only God is good, and only in Him can we be good on the final day. Well, I think that wraps it up well. Pastor Eckstein of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota, is helping us today, was helping us today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Pastor Eckstein, thank you for being our guest. Oh, absolutely. My privilege. We walk by faith, not by sight. Be of good courage. Christ has physically resurrected from the dead, and you and Christ will rise as well. He declares you good on account of what he has done for you with Jesus. As we look at those words, we're reminded of the power of God's word, the truth of God's word, and the gifts are here for you. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>